Well, first of all, I'd say the fact that you're asking the question is a really good start because the problem with the church of Laodicea was they weren't even asking the question. They weren't worried about being lukewarm. They weren't wringing their hands wondering, oh, you know, I wonder if I'm doing enough for the Lord or if I love God enough. That, that, that hadn't crossed their mind. They were totally oblivious. You're listening to the Pantry Podcast, part of the Spark Podcast Network, now playing on the Edify app. Hey, I'm Shay. And I'm Michelle. And this is the Pantry Podcast, Season 8, Road to Revelation. We're here to help you crave a healthier spiritual diet by teaching you to ask the right questions, seek the right answers in the right place, God's Word, and break free of the junk food the world wants to shove down your throat. We live in a broken world. We can fall down in despair or rise up for our wedding day. This season, we're looking at what it really means to be the bride of Christ in the end times and the many things we can learn from the book of Revelation that will guide us today, tomorrow, and to the end of time. Join us and fellow listeners from 47 states and 66 countries as we marinate on the Word of God, clear the junk from our pantries, and feast on real, everlasting food. Support the show by sharing this episode with two friends that need a godly snack and becoming a partner at patreon.com slash thepantrypodcast for as low as $5 a month. And now let's dig into the meal. Hey, what's up? Hello. I am excited. Duh. Go figure. You know, <laughs> Praise God. I know, right? But man, every time we sit here and we get to dissect the word of God, it's just so awesome just to, to be here with you, be here with yeah. our guests, be talking with you guys. Man, look, hit us up online. Let us know what you think. Email us, text us. I don't know. We have all text these cool. Us. We do. We have these cool little things. Slide right? into the DMs. Yeah, slide into the DMs. In but edifying we, godly ways. But don't we have a little thing on our website that you can click and, and write a little message or something? You can record a voice that's it, message that's it. and I, we'll include it in a future episode. And no one's used it yet, so that's come a challenge. Come on, look, a challenge. challenge. Who's going to be the first? Who's going to be the first? But no, tonight we're going to be talking about an awesome thing. But first, I want to say thank you to those who are in Iraq, the UAE, and Jamaica who have started to listen yes. to the show show. It is awesome. Thank you for being here with us. And for all the ones that always listen, man, thank you. We love you. Yes. Yes. So tonight is a very, and I say tonight because we tend to record at night, y'all just FYI. So good morning, good afternoon, good night. But today we are talking about the topic of lukewarm, which is one of the most used words in the Christian sphere. And it comes right out of Revelation we're going to be talking about it with a special guest I'll introduce in a second, but I know you have an oh, awesome yeah. verse to oh, start yeah. us off. You know, so think about it as lukewarm. You automatically think of Laodicea. Um, Revelation. Boy, here we are. Road to Revelation, the season that we're in. We would have to talk about at least a church. And I think that sometimes the way that we do this, we lay it to the Lord. He brings it into us. And t- this was laid on our hearts. And it's because I think that sometimes we think Philadelphia and we're like, oh, we want to be the Philadelphia. But I start to see a, a, a drifting of people drifting into this Laodicea, maybe this ideology of, of hey, we got it all put together. We're good. Um, Revelations 3, 14. I, I really love how God brings this in. You know, he says, write this letter to the angel. Now, angel here is messenger mm-hmm. or it could be the pastor, likely the pastor in the area. This letter is being written of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. We're talking about Jesus. This letter is coming from Christ, you know, and it's coming to a, a rich society. It's a society that has a lot of things. Um, they've got the renowned school of medicine. They've got textiles. They've got banking centers, expansive, expansive and innovative aqueduct systems. They have what they need. In fact, they have so much of what they need that in AD 60, there was an earthquake that 
annihilated the whole town, the whole Laodicea. It was gone. But you know what? They never even reached out to anyone. They rebuilt this themselves because their textiles, their money, their banking system, they could do it. They had it. And it made me think of the verses where it's like Matthew 19, 24. And it says, and I say again to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Or, you know, get into Second Peter uh, 2, 21. And it says, for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. Listen. They had some things they, I mean, Jesus actually comes to the game here and he's going to say some things that when you look at the history behind the church, you're like, Oh snap. He just said that. But uh, anyways, man, it's, it's exciting to be here. We're going to bring on some, a special guest, someone we know personally. And so it's awesome. Yes. Now this conversation is one people throw the word lukewarm around a lot. Sometimes they misuse it. Sometimes they don't understand all the depth that there is to it. And sometimes they use it just right. And so we wanted to bring in someone who is super well equipped to help us have this conversation. This is someone near and dear to our hearts. This is our very own local churches, Pastor Zeke Wharton. Yes. And you've heard if you've listened to some of our other episodes that we actually are part of a church that was formerly two different local churches that came together during all the COVID craziness. And it's like, we've always kind of been together. It just fit perfect. Yeah. So we want to welcome Pastor Zeke on yeah. tonight. Hey, welcome. What's up? Welcome. Hey guys, great to be here with you. I've been looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, such because we said we, you were going to be on in the fall and then this happened. And we're like, no, you need to be on right <laughs> now. You know, I'm, I'm going to say, we're sitting at the marriage. Uh, re- so he was speaking at our marriage retreat this yeah. weekend. And I'm sitting there at the table and, and, and we start talking about the seven church. We start talking about Laodicea and he starts dropping some bombs. And I'm like, why do it alone? I said, yeah, why do yeah. it alone? Just bring in a third person <laughs> and let's just talk about this. Yeah. So, so. it's kind of a, 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 a man. He, and you know what's cool is he said yes. <laughs> Right, right. I mean, that would have been awkward if he was like, I hate your show. <laughs> so, so, so welcome. So, hey, so thank you for being here again. And I guess to start us off, like, how do you see people normally use the word lukewarm? Like, what are your experiences as a pastor? Like, how is lukewarm thrown around? Yeah, yeah, we'll hear it in a couple different contexts. I mean, people will often... Uh, refer to it as like a lack of enthusiasm. So, you know, instead of being excited or instead of being like standoffish, well, I'm just, you know, lukewarm, indifferent. So, so I'll hear about that a lot. Sometimes they'll use it to describe themselves if they feel like, you know, I used to be, I was, I'm, I've been a believer for a long time and I used to be fired up for the Lord. And, and I still love the Lord, but now it's just not like it was. And maybe I'm, I'm afraid I'm lukewarm. So right. I hear that kind of thing sometimes too. Yeah. So I guess the backside of that is what does it mean? Right. And also I do, <laughs> yeah, I do want to throw yeah. in, there's that fear of being lukewarm because in the verse in revelation right. where right. it talks about being lukewarm, it also says Jesus will spit out the lukewarm. Oh yeah. Right. I think that's why people don't like, there's a fear of being lukewarm. And I just want to, in case people haven't heard it or don't really I, I understand. I think that translates vomit. Yeah, yeah. I'll vomit you <laughs> out. Like people are like, I don't want Jesus to vomit me out. That's pretty much akin to losing salvation, right? And then what does it actually mean, Pastor Zeke? <laughs> well, I think before we can go there, we've kind of got to pull back and say, what the yeah. context of this passage where Jesus is saying, yeah, I wish you were hot or cold. Because when I was growing up, 
and I, I was taught this passage, usually I heard, look, Jesus says, I wish you were hot or cold. Hot is good. Cold is bad. And, mm-hmm. you know, you need to kind of make up your mind and get off the fence. That's that's how it was right. originally taught to me. And still, you'll see I, I was, you know, as I was looking at this passage, John MacArthur kind of takes that position on this passage. And he's a well-respected Bible teacher, very knowledgeable. I love his commentary, lots of great stuff. And he kind of takes that perspective, like a hot Christian is one who really is serving the Lord. They're, you right. know, you can see their works demonstrating their faith. <laughs> They're all in. And then the cold person isn't a Christian. They're, they're like, they say, yes, I don't believe. No, this is not, this is not for me. The lukewarm in that thinking is that person who says, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe this stuff. And then there's no fruit in their lives. They're hypocritical in that regard. So in that interpretation, well, yeah, Jesus is going to spit you out because you're just pretending. Right. You're not even a believer. Right. You're, yeah. you're just pretending, uh, you know? So that was kind of a, a, that's one view of like that traditional take on the difference between being hot or cold. But this is where I like bringing in the cultural context. And Shay, I'm glad you kind of gave a little piece of introduction to that. Because if you were standing in Laodicea and you mm-hmm. looked like upwards, you could see another town Hierapolis that had these mineral hot springs and like their water stood out because it was hot water. It was medicinal. You know, you go there and be like, Oh yeah, that's great. And then you also mentioned aqueducts. Laodicea had its aqueducts. Well, the reason it had its aqueducts was because it didn't have any good water. It's it's by a river, the Lycus river that is like a muddy kind of yucky. It's not, you didn't want to drink it. Right. So they could pump right. down the water, the warm, the hot water from Hierapolis. But by the time it got to Laodicea, guess what it was? Lukewarm. Lukewarm. Yeah. Lukewarm. Or you could look the other direction in the city of Colossi that over there. And they've got the, 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 the springs of cold water, the fresh cold water springs, like the refreshing water. Oh, it's so right. good. I want to drink that on a hot day. It's so nice. Well, if you send that water to Laodicea, guess what it was by the time we got to Laodicea? Lukewarm. Lukewarm, right? <laughs> so, so I can imagine that as John's recording this, you know, in this, this, this vision of Jesus talking about the church to Laodicea, this in the context, the people of Laodicea would hear this and be like, oh, yeah, hot water, like the water that comes from Hierapolis. Man, we wish we had that water. That's some good stuff. We wish you were cold. Oh, you mean like the water from Colossae? Yeah, that's so refreshing and good. Oh, man, I wish we had that water. But our water's nasty. And Jesus says, guess what, guys? Mm. You're not hot. And you're not cold. Mm. Like the nasty water. You can imagine visitors from either of those towns. They come to Laodicea and they're like, oh, let me get a drink. They take the water and they're like, Whoa, that's nasty. Oh, it's all lukewarm. Why didn't you warn me? It's gross. Oh, come on. I didn't want that. Well, it's all we got. Oh, it's all you got. Oh, okay. It's all you got. <laughs> right. That was Laodicea. You know, right. the natural reaction for a tourist there would be to spit out their water if they weren't mm. warned about what it's like. And Jesus says, guess what, guys? That's what I want to do when I see the way you're operating in your faith. Like, it's right. ugh, yuck. This is not what it's supposed to be. It's yuck. I want it to be hot. 
I want it to be cold, like there or there, but not this. What is this? That, that's that's so interesting that you say that because lukewarm. When I think think of them, they were blinded to their condition. Mm-hmm. Like they they were they were thinking something good in in their 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 religion or whatever they wanted to call it, and here they are. They're like, oh, but I like what he said. I'm sorry, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're nasty. No, I know. Like I think. <laughs> okay, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. But but in reality, that's that's kind of what he's saying. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that as you said. You know, cold water. When I drink cold water, I'm not thinking of all the things that are probably growing in it. Now there might be something in it, right? But it's like, you know, I'm not thinking that like it's not a cesspool in my mind. Hot water on a hot spring, also not a cesspool. Like it's boiling out the bad, you know, whatever. I'm like, okay. But when I think of lukewarm water, I'm like, what is growing in this? I think of like (laughs) algae and slimy, and you know, I just think of all the bad stuff. And on top of the fact. I like that you brought up that there are good qualities to the cool water. And also God doesn't say that he's going to spit out the cold water. So he's not, it's not like I will spit out cold water. I'm going to vomit out your lukewarm and yeah, go right onto the fire. Like I think we associate that Holy spirit fire with the hot water and then we move on. Like that's the only context we, and we're like, okay, so I just need to be hot. And I like what you said. You like redeemed the cold water (laughs) for the people listening and made them realize, like, I don't want hot water in a desert. I don't want hot water in the summertime. Like, I want something refreshing. So I I think that that. that they also have the capacity, the cold have the capacity of the awareness. Like, Like they have a capacity to understand maybe this is wrong and they can go somewhere else or move forward or move into Christ. You know, if we take it in the other aspect, you know, where it's like, you know, the hot and the cold and one's on fire for God and one's not at all. But it's like lukewarm they're just like walking in this falsehood mm-hmm. that we're doing it yeah. right and and i really when, when i came across that it was really interesting mm-hmm. well the thing the thing about that is either interpretation whether the cold is bad or the cold is good in either way the lukewarm is definitely bad i mean there's right uh, there's no interpretive challenge to that part jesus right yes right it's nasty i'm spitting it out it makes me want to vomit like that's not open for debate so you can debate like which of those interpretations right. for hot or cold is better is it the is it the context of the culture and their geography and the the water or is the focus on the works, right? Because the passage actually starts out with, I see your works aren't hot or cold. So mm-hmm. it meant to be like some works are good and some are bad. But either interpretation, we don't have any doubt that the lukewarm is bad and Jesus is warning us all not to have that kind of faith. Yeah. Yeah, when I was reading it and looking at some things, I was thinking lukewarm is kind of borrowing the heat because at first I came at it like the cold isn't good either. Right. And so I was like, okay, well, lukewarm's borrowing the heat, but it's not really getting it. You know, it's kind of nearby. It's like, I'm a, I'm a Christian nominally, but not actually. Um, and I just kind of walk the walk or I talk the talk. It looks like I walk the walk, but I really am not, you know, and it's, you're borrowing the heat from elsewhere, but then I was looking at it like, okay, well, could anyone, and I still don't really know where I, where I stand. So this is, this is why we're having the discussion, but more for the lukewarm, we kind of know lukewarm bad. Now, what does, what are the different opinions when it comes to Christ spitting out, vomiting out the lukewarm? Now, is that something where, is that like, it seems like that's utter rejection. That's like, you don't qualify, which means it can't be works based, right? Or is it just, 
I'm rebuking you, but you still get to come. You know, you were a believer, but, you know, like what kind of where, where do we sit in that? Well, it's, that's a great question because it, usually people fall on one of two camps in that regard. The John MacArthur explanation was these people aren't actually saved. So they're pretenders. They're around the church. They're hanging out there. They're doing maybe some things that look Christian on the outside, but there's nothing genuine there. It's, it's just playing pretend. Uh, just like Kalia might in your own house, you know, she might play pretend games with you around the house. And that's fun as grown, supposed to be Christians. Jesus said, no, you can't just play at this. <laughs> it's not a pretend game. You guys are pretending, right. you know? So that would be the John MacArthur interpretation where hot is good. Cold is at least honest, bad, <laughs> you know, at least it's honest. right. The loop yeah. though is that pretending and those people aren't safe. That's right. Why they're getting spit out. Um, the interpretation that I like better than that is where you have the hot is good, the cold is good, the lukewarm is bad, but the lukewarm people are still part of the church. Mm-hmm. So they're Christians. They're not being rejected in terms of their salvation. What Jesus is saying is you guys aren't living for me. Right. You're, you're not living out your faith. You're not actually enjoying the blessings of the faith because you're complacent. I mean, that's part of the context that's there. That idea that they, and that's why I was glad that Shay brought up the earthquake because yeah. Laodicea has the earthquake. Uh, Rome actually offered to help. They're like, Hey, you know, we, we understand your important city in this region. We'll help you with the rebuild. And they were like, no, no, we got this. <laughs> we got this. No problem. We'll take care of it. We don't need your help. We're self-sufficient. Right. So the attitude of the Laodiceans, now, apart from spirituality, apart from just their normal attitude was, we're self-sufficient. We got this. We don't need anyone's help. So when it came to spiritual things, it carried over into the spiritual realm to the point where they were saying, yeah, we got this. We're good. Everything's fine. We're good people. We're, you know, everything's going well. They thought they had it together and they had no clue that their faith was bankrupt. They had no clue. That's why Jesus, his solution for them is a play on their self-sufficiency. So what does he tell them to do? Hey, I want you to buy refined gold from me and get, you know, white robes that represent righteousness. In other words, the implication is you guys don't have the fruit of the faith. You're not living in, you're not actually living righteously like you think. They were all proud of their black wool and their, you know, their fancy black wool garments. He's like, "Eh, you need to buy the righteous garments from me. And then he said, oh, yeah. And by the way, you need my eye salve. Yeah. You think your medical school is all that. Well, guess what? Spiritually speaking, you need my eye salve so you can really see because you guys got no clue what your condition is. So it's a play on their sense of self-sufficiency where Jesus says, you guys don't get it. You are not cutting it. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, though, especially those comparisons that you're talking about, because that's that's one thing I narrowed in on. You know, you would never understand this if you didn't get into the history of of Laodicea and, and where they mm-hmm. came from, and that those things. Because I mean, they had this idea. What does the Bible say? It says, "I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing." Jesus is calling them straight out. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Here you are. Here, are, you know, this is this is exactly what it is." And, and sometimes I feel like that in our own. So if we were to take this and start looking at like Western church culture. Right. Um, 
Because we have a, what we're seeing here is we all want Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. We all want Philadelphia. And I think that if we've been around the, the, the church long enough, we start to see that, like, we're not all Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think we also sit there, we sit there and say, but I don't want to be Laodicea. Right. <laughs> because I don't want to ever be so blinded. Um, you know that renowned school of medicine that, that they had, right? It was actually connected to the Temple of Karu. Now, this is an amazing uh, fact because, I mean, this temple was one of 200 throughout, the, throughout Greek and Rome. And they were dedicated to a god called Asaphilapius. I think I'm that's how you say. I'm impressed you just said that. <laughs> the Greek god of medicine. And watch this though. And the pagan counterfeit of the Messiah. <laughs> this is what was in their area. He was known as. Ready for this? The great physician. And I'm like, <laughs> they're headed down a wrong path. So when God sits there and says, "You need salve on your eyes," and it's like, "You need the spiritual discernment," I'm yeah. like. Oh, snap. That's what I talked about at the beginning. Like God comes or Jesus comes and just like drops bombs on this on this church. Yeah. He poo-poos everything (laughs) that they think. And and that reminds me of of us these days. You know, the things that we bring in from the world and we're like, no, this is fine. This is of God. But it really clearly isn't. But it's beneficial to us in some temporary way. And so we bring it in anyway. And at some point, God's going to give you a situation that clearly shows you that you need the real thing. Like, sorry, yes, you dragged that in and insisted that was good, but no, you need the real thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because he is, Jesus is really busting on them direct. I mean, this is not, this is not like a roundabout, beating around the bush, gentle. Like this is, not only is the church of Laodicea the only of the, one of the seven churches that doesn't get commended for anything. When he says these things to them, he is like attacking their sense of identity in themselves. Mm. They've got all this identity wrapped up in their textile industry and their medicine and their wealth and, you know, their finance. They're like, yeah, we got this. And he's like, each one, boom, boom, boom. There's a spiritual analogy here that you guys, you, you don't get this. You are, are messed up. So you need to get away from your self-sufficiency. So the funny part about this is, is studying this passage, if you look at the commentators from the late 20th century, they're all like, yeah, this so much means that, you know, this is the church in the 20th century. It was funny how many times I came across (laughs) that because I'm reading it and I'm like, wow, this sounds like a lot, a lot like the church today, especially pre-pandemic, especially pre-pandemic, you know, in, in the West. Where it's, right. oh, yeah, we got this together. You know, some of our concerns are, you know, does our pastor have a big enough jet or, you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> some of the issues we have in the West, the first world problems that we have, even in churches, right. you know, some first world problems. And uh, yeah, there's that sense. It's easy for that sense of self-sufficiency to get in and cause us to be complacent about the things that are really important. So, I mean, when we see a church like this, because I mean, I could read there and be like, oh, well, sorry for their luck. You know, they're a uh, wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. <laughs> that's that's in scripture, by the way. Y'all. I'm just letting you know. Yeah. You know, it's like I could I could leave it there and be like, well, sorry for that Richard, m- wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked person. But uh, yeah, luck. Or right. what do we do? Well, well he's like, got Jesus has a prescription, I think, right here in this passage. Right. Because he says, buy for me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. And white garments, 
so that you may clothe yourself. So the white garments represent righteousness, right? Righteous deeds. So the complacent church probably has gotten away from a lot of a lot of doing those righteous deeds for the Lord. So either they're doing some good things, but they're doing it for themselves, mm-hmm. or they're just going through the motions of a country club. Right. Like, hey, you know, we got this good group here. We're meeting our needs, but they're no longer serving the community at large because they're self-sufficient. They've become kind of careless about this whole whole thing. So it's putting on those those garments, those white garments. And then what else does he say? Yeah, you need the south to anoint your eyes so you may see. You know, we, we've got to cast a vision then for instead of the status quo, we've got to cast a vision for what could be. So instead of just seeing ourselves as, eh, eh, we're all okay, eh, whatever. But no, we can raise the bar. We can get more excited about serving the Lord. There's more to be done here. And, and having that vision that says, hey, let's go further. Let's take this a step further. So, for example, when our, our two churches merged together, one of the things I appreciated about our being able to come together was I saw a culture in in the 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 in, in our merge, there was a culture there of people that were conversing about the word. In other words, they weren't just coming to church, sit and listen, amen. Let's go watch football. Instead, right. there's a hey, let's listen to the word and then hey, let's interact about it. What does this mean? Let's talk about this. And, and I was like, okay, that's a, a culture we want to capitalize on so that when we come together, we grow that culture. And that's a way of, of, of vision being cast because that was a strength that was there. And we say, oh, we can fan the flame of this strength and keep this kind of conversation going so that, hey, we're having conversations and podcasts about it. We're having conversations right. at the <laughs> coffee table about it. We're having right. conversations at Starbucks about it. And, and it's more than just, oh, we put our time in on Sunday morning, check that box, the rest of the week, we move on to other things. See, so that's that's that vision mm. being raised and, and that growth that comes out of that that I think benefits people. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny because I uh, I was over at someone's house and, and they were en route to relocating. And uh, and I was talking to them and they knew that we like me and Shay and our family, that we were believers. I didn't really know their their status. And it was very interesting what they said. They were I was talking about how awesome our church is, how thankful I am for for the church that we go to uh, building us up in, in, in our faith and our hope, giving us answers and everything. And they were like, yeah, you know. We're, we're going to be moving. We don't really know anyone. I think we're really going to plug into a church so we can have some community. And I've heard of people saying, well, it's like the people who just want a, a group, like the country club, you know, and they, they do good things and they talk good things and then they do whatever. Right. But I had never heard something about that where someone literally was going to go to a church just because they wanted to get to know people and have a community of people that would help. And so it makes me think that Laodicea and churches like it probably have a higher likelihood because of how complacent and compromising of a place it is. They have a higher likelihood of lots of people sitting there thinking that that they're good to go and they don't even have the spirit in them. So even though Laodicea might have started with people who believe, but the complacency doesn't 
give people the access that's needed to the mm. conviction to realize, no, your really shiny black, like svelte stuff is not enough. You know, the fact that you have money doesn't just mean you're blessed by God and good to go. It's not a sign that you're heaven bound, you know? And so there's people coming because they hear it's the, it's the place to be and everyone's really nice. And it's just a lot of secular humanism. You know, it's just a lot of worshiping, worshiping deities that are the great quote unquote physician. Right. And right. and so it just makes me like, it blows my mind, but I, I see where this is coming from. So like for the people who are, who are wondering, you know, am I lukewarm? Like as a psych major, my mind goes into five different places when they ask the question, like, why do you feel that way? But like, what would you say if someone came to you and you're the pastor, like, what would you say to them if they were like, I'm, I'm really worried that I'm lukewarm. You know, what would, how would you kind of help them through? Well, first of all, I'd say the fact that you're asking the question is a really good start mm-hmm. because the problem yeah. with the church of Laodicea was they weren't even asking the question. They weren't worried about being lukewarm. They weren't wringing their hands wondering, Oh, you know, <laughs> I wonder if I'm doing enough for the Lord or if I love God. Enough. That, that, that hadn't crossed their mind. They were totally oblivious I I think that's why Jesus didn't commend them for anything because he was like, no, I don't want you to get distracted about this (laughs) good thing over here. Like, no, you you need to understand. It's like grab them and say, pay attention to this. You guys don't have this. You know, so one of the things I would assure reassure someone with is it's so awesome. You're asking that question because because Jesus wants you to to be hot or cold here. He, He doesn't want you to be lukewarm. So it's great. You're asking the question. But notice he says. Those whom I love, I I reprove and discipline. So if you're asking the question about being lukewarm because you're experiencing maybe a little discipline in your life, and usually discipline's Mm -hmm. not fun to experience. It stings a little bit, you know. You know, anyone who's ever had a spanking before, you know, you don't want (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes, you know, that's, you know, Jesus is doing that to us so that we can be zealous and repent, right? That's what he says, be zealous and repent. So it's like, oh, well, why are you feeling that way? If you're feeling that way because you've, you've sensed a little bit of a, a rebuke from the Lord or a little bit of discipline, then respond to that. That's that's my right. reaction. Respond to that and, and repent if there's something. If it's like, yeah, maybe I'm feeling that way because, you know, I haven't read my Bible in two months. Mm. Uh, Hey, why don't you read your Bible today? Right. Right. (laughs) You don't have to say, can pastor, can you give me a good Bible reading plan? Hey, my, my first thought is yes. Start reading it now. Like that's your, right. (laughs) Open it and start to read it. Like, okay, let's, you know, so that's, we don't have to make this too complicated. Right. Mm. So uh, some of that is if you're feeling some conviction, if that's why the question is being asked, wow, respond to that conviction. You know, if there's some repentance that's needed there, if you think God's calling you to try something, then go for it. Take a step of faith and go for it and and see what happens with that. That's a great place to start. Maybe realignment. It's it's like, okay, look, by definition, lukewarm has been put in a wrong direction of definition. Yeah. <laughs> like, like maybe we're just disconnected. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we just need to reconnect um, because, you know, we all know that our the disconnection with the Holy Spirit is actually on our side of things. Yeah. When we disconnect from the Holy Spirit, it's us. And, and so when we feel those feelings, when we feel uh, the the like I'm not doing enough or I mean, and look, I know there's people out there. Look, I'm looking at you right now. Yeah. 
trust me, quit saying you're not doing enough because you're probably doing too much in the church. But I'm talking about the people who might not be doing enough. And it's like, it's like, but, but we get into those feelings. And I think sometimes as you're saying, it's good to just realign them into the word or realign them into something like, Hey, look, you know what? Get up in the morning. Thank God. Um, you know, some of the things that we teach in the life group are, are like, okay, wake up in the morning. You might not feel like it. You might not want to get out of bed, but look up to the Lord. And just be like, thank you, Lord. And he has this way of, of realigning us back into the walk that's on his path. that's lighted by him. It's kind yeah. of cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I wonder if in, in terms of coming out of the pandemic, as we're starting to do in a lot of our areas now here, at least in the States, you know, I wonder if some of us haven't gotten complacent during the pandemic mm. in the sense of just because we feel like there's so much we can't do. Right. Like, you know, we couldn't go to church for a while, maybe depending on where we were, or, you know, we couldn't get together with people very easily. We maybe we couldn't have people over, you know, we got used to watching church on TV. We got used to, uh, you know, not gathering with other believers and, and there's ways then to just say, well, you know, there's just nothing I can do about this. And and I think it's easy for complacency to kick in, in that kind of environment. And we just need to make sure that if we've developed any habits, if we develop some temporary habits because of circumstances, we need to make sure that they don't become permanent habits. Right. Right. You know, things can happen for a season, but let's not make that the new normal in our lives unless that's what God's called us to do. Um, So, uh, you know, that's something to be careful about. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, in first Peter two, the first two verses, um, I really like them for this topic. It says, so get rid of all evil behavior, which, you know, puts the pressure on y'all, right? But still, you know, that's the right thing. Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow Mm. into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. And this idea of a full experience of salvation in the sense of, It's not really like for a believer, it's the question of, am I really saved? That question eventually needs to just die. And the question needs to go deeper, Mm. right? Because now it's like, okay, I'm confident that the the seal of promise will not be taken because the Lord doesn't break his promises. And it can be that simple. However, am I experiencing the full experience of salvation? Everything that that unlocks and allows me to become capable of, to become used by God, for his glory to spread the gospel and make disciples. Is that the life that I'm unlocking or am I still sitting here just on like on the little teat with a little milk at a time, like just surviving. So I'm glad you used the word, you read the scripture with the word crave in it there, because Mm -hmm. if you're craving something in the faith, that is an antidote to being lukewarm. Yeah. You know what I mean? The lukewarm person isn't craving anything. Right. By definition, the lukewarm, remember the Laodiceans, the reason they were described as being lukewarm and being spit out is because of their complacency, because of their self-sufficiency. So Mm. we're craving. That's a great way to combat this tendency. I was just reading one of the passages. Maybe it's the Matthew 633 one. 
where it says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seeking there is actually seeking in a craving way. Mm. You know, it's it's more than just like, oh, did I see that? Some, oh, well, no, no, no. It's like <laughs> hunting. Like I gotta have it. Like yeah. craving it. Like this is what I gotta have. That that's mm. the craving idea there. And, and here in, in the, the passage for the Laodiceans, they, remember, they were like, OK, you've got to get the gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and get white garments so that you may clothe yourself because there's the shame of your nakedness there. You're like the emperor, you know, the, the old story, the emperor who, who thinks he's got the new clothes and he's naked. Oopsie. You know what I mean? Like, that's them. That's right. the Laodiceans. They're the emperor. Yeah. The clothes. They think they've got this great thing. And no, it's embarrassing. You're like parading around naked. That's the problem with them. So we sometimes to get those white garments, sometimes the, our, our feelings follow our actions Mm. too often. We're waiting for the reverse. Once I feel like it, then that's why we talked to, you just alluded to the marriage conference. (laughs) That's why when we talk to married couples a lot, it's like, yeah, you know, a married couples like, yeah, we just don't feel in love like we used to. Mm. Uh, well, are you doing the things that you used to do? Right. Actually, we haven't been on a date in three years, <laughs> you know, and, you know, we haven't actually made love to each other in about 18 months. And, you know, we had it's like, hello, no, right. we don't feel in love anymore. Like, <laughs> you need to go back to doing those things. And, and it, like for the Laodiceans, it's like, okay, we got to put on these garments of righteousness. How do we get them? We got to start doing the right things. And then mm. maybe you'll start to crave them once you get your feet wet, once you take those baby yeah. steps forward, maybe then the craving will return. I think sometimes that in this word always comes out obedience. Mm-hmm. Um, obedience, you know, we, we put a, I've, I've kind of defined it easier in my life as turning and turning back to God. Like, like instead of like, okay, well the Bible tells me do this, these, okay. Six hundred and something, uh, rules now that Jesus laid out something like that. Actually like, over a thousand, a thousand in the new Testament okay, things uh, yeah, a thousand to do things and that not Jesus to. Uh, told us to do and not to do. <laughs> I can sit there with that thousand thing list or just turn into God. Yeah. You know, I think it's, I think it's a very simple thing. And, and, and you know, what's cool about it. If you, like you said earlier, if you feel like you, if you use the terminology, I'm lukewarm. No, you were cold. <laughs> you were cold. Like, like you were cold. I mean, let's just, let's just be real on this. You were cold because you can recognize that there's a disconnection. You can recognize that something just isn't lining up right. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's kind of cool, the hot and the cold. Right. And, and, and think about this. This is generational. Um, I can't remember how far back it would be or the time period between the um, the missionary work into Laodicea, you know, where they, the church would start compared to where we're talking about in in Revelation. But we are looking at generational we're looking at a progression. We're looking at something that was built upon. Um, you know, the church was built at, at the beginning. There was this fire, you know, uh, I'm not going to get into like seed and thorns and ground and a hard ground because that would be a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but it's like, but as they move forward, they, they realize that I, I really believe they felt like they, there was, there, there wasn't a need like, yeah. 
Yeah. They, they missed, they missed the need. And, and I, and, and it's like how, and you know, so recomping that, you know, how do you get it back? How do you go there? Well, we know that Laodicea no longer exists. We, we know that Laodicea sits in, you know, what would be modern day Turkey. Um, and it's Muslim, it's a Muslim uh, area. Mm-hmm. And so we know that the, the, the candle was snuffed out because if the candle was still burning, there would be a church sitting there on fire right now instead of being excavated and slowly the, you know, the archeological digs right. uncovering it and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really important that when we see that or when we feel that, or when we're going through that, you know what, turn, turn to somebody you trust. Even, I, I think that was cool. Like she said, what do you say, pastor? Or, or, or what do you say, brother? Or what do you say, sister? Right. Or, you know, find somebody. Sometimes it's hard to see the unseen, but we can see our brother and sister in Christ who is, who's really dialed in spiritually. And we can say, Hey, look, can we pray together? Help me. I want to move forward. Yeah. I like that. Your advice was nothing that couldn't be said by literally any brother or sister in Christ. And what you said about the action, the feelings following the action, I can attest to it personally. I've had those seasons of bitterness or resentment or struggle with things going on. And, you know, God wasn't, you know, quote unquote, like doing it fast enough, answering the prayer fast enough, fixing it fast enough. And yet I just kept serving, knowing that that was the real point that my own problem, he would, he would work on it in time. I just needed to keep serving. That's the thing he he was laying on my heart. And eventually those feelings fade because through the doing, he speaks to us Mm. by way of the relationships that we're forming. The obedience to fellowship Mm. gives him access, the obedience to attend and learn of him and read his word and, and be present with the body gives him access to reach you with the truth, which will change your heart. So I really, I, it really is very common sense, but it's, it's those things that the common things tend to be the ones we quickly are like, no, it needs to be more complicated than that. But <laughs> I, I love that you reinforced that but on this episode. Two, two <laughs> thoughts came to mind from that. One was that thought of, you know, to get heated up, if you take, you know, if you've got a fire going with coals in it and there'll be some hot coals like buried in there somewhere, you kind of need to get them moving around and get the other coals exposed and get the oxygen in there. Right. And you get that whole fire going again. Often churches are like that. You get a bunch of complacent people there and it's like, oh, cold, cold, cold. cold. But then, like, oh, wait, we, we got some down here. We had to expose those hot coals because what yes. they'll do is they'll reignite. The yes. goals that are there. Right. So, yes. so that's yes. really significant touching base. And then there's one more part of the passage that we haven't mentioned, which was Jesus saying, Hey, I'm knocking at the door. Uh, right. You, you know, the good thing about this is Jesus desire when they're lukewarm and he's, he's talking about spitting them out, but, but that's not his desire. His desire is that they'll let him back in. That's why he's knocking on the door. Hey guys, and if you picture the door, the latch of the door is on the inside, not on the outside. Mm-hmm. He's knocking. Hey, guys. Well, do you hear me? What, well, hey, could you turn your TV down maybe? Because I'm, I'm knocking. Would you take your headphones off? I'm knocking. It, <laughs> all they got to do is open the door. Right. Come in. It, it's not like they have to go on the front doorstep, like calling their dog home. Jesus. Right. Where are you? No. <laughs> the doorstep. Yes. He's knocking on. All they have to do is open the door. That's all. 
Yes. will come in. And, and when he comes in, he's like, yeah, I'm going to eat with you. Mm. He's not in there to like turn the tables over in the temple. Mm. Right. That's not what's happening. <laughs> he's eating with them because what's happening there. It's intimacy. It's that yes. close fellowship, that close communion that he has. He's like, yeah, I just want to, I want to get in there and spend time with you. Let me do that. That you won't stay lukewarm anymore. Wow. I like that. Amen. No, you're right. I think I think that was because I had those as the closing notes or, or in the notes in there, the last verses, because you're so right. Um, he's always there. Like he's yeah. always there. Um, and we always think that he's so far away. Mm. Um, sometimes it feels that way. Hey, look, be, be cool. Be, be real about it. Sometimes it feels that way. But um, he's still there. I, God is God. Mm. You know, God didn't change, you know, just because my circumstance changed. Um, he's, he's still the God who was there is now and will be. And, and I just think that that's awesome that no matter what they could, they walking in unbelief, even if that's how you wanted to look at lukewarm in this or lukewarm, I'm kind of struggling how, you know, whatever you fall on that, on that, on that court, there's an opportunity and that opportunity is in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. He, and, and what I love about that is it's so important to remember that part of the picture because right. You hear the, the vomiting out. It's like, Oh, that's, it sounds threatening, you know, like right. ah, it's going to vomit. I'm going forever. You know, it's like, actually he, he's saying that's, that's his reaction to the kind of faith mm. you have right now. Mm-hmm. That's not a, it's not an eternal rejection. This is a, what he's saying is I feel like that. Like I'm going to spit you out. Like that's how I feel. Just Mm, like if I drink that warm, that lukewarm water, when I thought I was going to get cold, refreshing drink. And I'm like, that's how he feels. But what's actually happening is he says, I'm, I'm disciplining the ones I love. I'm Mm. trying to bring them back and I'm knocking on the door to return the fellowship, restore our fellowship and to restore intimacy. That's what's actually happening there. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, he's calling it the church, right? It's a letter to a church. (laughs) It's like, it's, it's not like it's a letter to a fake church. You're not really a church. It's a, it's a letter to a church. And I think that that's, and and he's writing a letter to the minister, right? You know, I mean, he's uh, angel minister, pastor. He's like, I'm I'm, I'm sending you a warning letter, (laughs) right? A warning letter, you know, because he cares. And I think that these are things that the fear yeah. and our legalism, our, our propensity yeah. to that gets, gets us to, but no, this, and, this has been, yeah. and let's be fair. Philadelphia, the church doesn't exist either. Y'all. So just lesson learned, go. lesson learned, <laughs> like, but you know what? My, your look, church exists like, right now. Right. You yeah, watching yours. your church. So what you going to do? I always drop that stuff on my pastors, by the way, y'all, I, I, you know, I'll take, I'll take, <laughs> I'll, I'll take, take Solomon. I'll be like, wasn't good wisdom. <laughs> right. He, he didn't pray for godly wisdom. That's why that's what <laughs> but I did. Anyways, no, thank you for being on the yes, show, though. I, I, I really believe that, that, you know, we've got to talk about it. We've got to hit it out. I, I encourage people to go out and um, study deeper into the churches. Yes. Don't just look at it superficially like, oh, he spit them out. OK, but, well, you know, <laughs> hello. When was last time that Jesus wanted to die or uh, dine on unrighteousness? Let's just be fair. Uh, he, he would rather spit you out and bring righteousness to you. So in other words, Instead of a direction this way, he's bringing it this way. Um, but any closing thoughts, like just, you know, that you'd want to say to people, encouragement, 
um, on how or what they should do or move forward. And, you know, just a brief, Hey, here I am. This is, this is a good thing to do. Yeah. I, I just say, let Jesus back in. Hmm. We, we close the door on Jesus inadvertently. Sometimes, I, you know, we, we moved a few months ago and we now have an attic that has, a, we have a walk-in attic in our house. Nice. What will happen is we can go in the attic and if the dog follows us in, we might not realize. And I walk out of the attic and I shut the door. And next thing you know, the door is closed on the dog. Like he's on the other side. He, I didn't mean to shut out the dog. He, he just got left out there. And yet sometimes we do that to Jesus. It's like we, we brush him off to the side. It, it wasn't necessarily an intentional decision that we made where we're mm. like, oh, Jesus, get out. We just kind of started doing our own thing and stopped paying attention to him. And isn't that what the church of Laodicea was like in their, that's, if that's not being complacent and uncaring, that's what it is. It's like, oops, how did Jesus get locked in the attic? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean to do that. It's like, well, open the door and let him back in. Like we can all open the door and let him back in. It's not like, well, what do, what do I have to, you know, do I have to say five Hail Marys first? Do I have to, what do I have to do? Open the door and let him back in. He's not going to say, never mind. (laughs) No, he's not going to do that. He's going to come back in. So open the door and let Mm. him back in. You know, tell him you love him. Tell him you want him to Mm. get to know him better. Tell him you're going to seek him. And and wow, he'll be faithful. The, the, The issue is never with him. He will be faithful. And I and I guarantee that little pupper is going to be scratching on that door. Hello. <laughs> Jesus, he knock, 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 scratch, scratch, knock, knock, in your analogy. But no, thank you, Pastor Zeke, for coming on yes. tonight. Um, hey, I hope you guys enjoyed this. And I'll let you close it out. Thanks. Yeah. I was waiting. I was just yeah. like, give me the signal. No, but you can listen to sermons from our Pastor Zeke Wharton at ggcc.info. That'll be in our show notes. And as always, you can give us your thoughts at thepantrypodcast.com. So until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Pantry Podcast. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen and check out other great shows on the Edify app and Eternity Ready Radio.